Hello, and welcome to the Chris Yeh Podcast. I am, as always, Chris Yeh. Great to have you here with me today. As you know, Mental Samurai has premiered. I'm going to be on season one of this new competition show, which airs Tuesdays at 9 p.m. on Fox, hosted by the one and only Rob Lowe. Now, a lot of people have been wondering, why would you want to go on a game show? And the answer, of course, is, who doesn't want to go on national television? But seriously, it was an opportunity that I just couldn't pass up. And another opportunity I couldn't pass up is the chance to talk about Mental Samurai, to share some of the inside insights into the game from myself and many of the other contestants who appeared on the show. So in this past season premiere, we had a number of contestants go on their run, and I am joined in today's episode by three of these contestants. Clay Anderson, the astronaut, Joey Gutman, the lawyer, and of course, Sam Durbin, trucker by day, drag queen, Brianna Banana by night. So tune in for the rest of this episode and listen to the interviews that I conducted with my fellow contestants. Hey, spaceman, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good, Clay. It was such a pleasure getting to spend time with you when we were shooting Mental Samurai. And I got to tell everyone, you know, this guy, Clay, is so humble. Uh, he refused to tell me that he was an astronaut, which I say is burying the lead. I mean, if I were an astronaut, the first time I met someone, I'd say, hey, did you know I was an astronaut? Well, you know, it was interesting to me, and I appreciate those kind words. Uh, when we sat in the room, uh, when the, I guess the producer and the legal guy, uh, talked to all of us in our group, mm -hmm. I hadn't told anyone who I was or what I did. And, uh, <laughs> except, I mean, I think a few of the mental samurai people knew, but then all you guys, the contestants in the room didn't really know. And then when somebody said something and I don't remember who it was or how it happened, there was kind of this in the room. And I thought, uh Oh, busted. <laughs> Cause you know, with all you smart guys in the room, an astronaut is supposed to be pretty smart, but apparently with my appearance on Mental Samurai, not so good. Well, you know, I think that they, they put you on because clearly the message they were trying to send is it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter what incredible things you've done in your life. Anyone can lose. Exactly. Failure is an option. There's a website called TV Tropes that sort of talks about all the different tropes that get used in movies and television shows. And one of the interesting things is what they call the sacrificial lion. And the sacrificial lion <laughs> is uh, the sacrificial lion is when they have this character who's like super tough and super strong and all these things get taken out by the bad guys. So that people are like, oh, crap, this is for real. <laughs> And so you are our sacrificial lion in that sense. Beautiful. I like that. <laughs> I'm proud. And I got to say, I think that you have dealt with it with incredible grace and humor online as well. I've been enjoying following Facebook and Twitter and various other things as you've been talking about the experience. Well, you know, it's, it's important to people, I think, to realize, and I speak about this a lot, that the kids and folks that I talk to are just like me. Um, if you work hard and you try to do the right thing and you listen to the inputs you get around you, you can be successful at whatever you do. And for me to go on a game show like that, when they first approached me and said, you want to be on a game show? I said, sure. 
And then they said what it is and Mental Samurai. And I Googled it and tried to figure out what the game was about. And I had really no clue. <laughs> and I'd never been on a game show. And, and unlike some of our uh, contestant buddies that uh, play the trivia games frequently and things, uh, that wasn't my shtick. So when I got to California and, and did the taping, it was a little overwhelming. Well, I was pretty intimidated, too. Uh, we were meeting these folks and hearing about, oh, I won on Jeopardy three times. And I went on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And oh, I'm a world memory champion. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> and that was just in our group, right? Yeah, there were multiple groups. I was like, oh, my gosh, I am so terrified. I don't I don't know if I I don't know if I can beat any of these people. <laughs> Will you beat me? Well, we don't know that yet because my episode hasn't aired. Well, if you may, if you answered one question right, Chris, just one, you beat me. And I'm assuming most people answered at least one question. Well, it was, that was a tough one uh, because you started right out the bat with those spinning clocks. Now, tell me about that moment as you're sitting there in the chair and you're looking at those spinning clocks. What was going through your mind? Well, I kind of like, holy crap, those clocks are spinning. And then, so when you do, when you're an astronaut, you do a lot of visual tests uh, to fly in space and to fly on a T-38. And the test that we do frequently is a depth perception test. So you look at these things and one of them uh, has, pops out at your eye, you know, to prove that you have good depth perception. And when I watched those four clocks, I looked at all four first and then A just jumped out at me like this depth perception test. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm against the clock. And the time was important, right? So I see this jump out. I looked one more time and I thought, it can't be that easy. But then I said, hey, lock it in A. And See, that's the thing. You had a strong, that's interesting. Because I don't think we ever got that full story on the show, right? You had this really strong impression. It's like, oh my goodness, you know, this has got to be the one. Yeah, it would have been nice. I would have loved to have had, uh, you know, one of the other questions was about Smokey the Bear and, <laughs> yeah, that was Donovan's question, his first question, Smokey the Bear. I'm like, oh, that's a good one to get started with. Yeah, and I was kind of hoping when I was in the chair, you know, and I'm shooting the with Rob Lowe, and he's saying, man, you're an astronaut, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, I hope that my first one is, you know, relatively straightforward so I can do it and then move to the next and kind of, you, you have to, that game, I think, is a rhythm game. If you get in a rhythm, Confidence goes up every time you answer one, and you have a better and better chance of, of getting all 12. But uh, for me, that first one kind of caught me off guard because I wasn't expecting a puzzle and as the first one, and I certainly wasn't expecting that puzzle. <laughs> yeah, and I, I got to agree with you. I think the clock is the thing that people don't appreciate when they're just sitting at home and thinking about, oh, these questions are relatively easy. But the pressure is on to move quickly. And you could see in the episode we saw how that pressure got to people. So in, in your episode, Becky makes it all the way to the last question, but she's running out of time when she gets to that last question. She just has to rush it. Yeah. And I think that you know, the issue, some, some people commented online that moving to Ava uh, counts against your clock time. And if you notice in some of those uh, – clips when the person said lock it in it took several seconds for the answer to come up and say 
correct or whatever it said. I forget. But that all that takes precious time away from you in your five minutes. So no matter how fast you go personally locking it in and, and answering the question, the, the computer and all the mechanical stuff took away some of your time. And it was the case. I, mean, I felt really, uh, I think the contestants feel supported by the folks online who are saying, hey, wait, you know, there's time ticking off the clock between the towers. It's not fair. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I, I love the fact that you guys are pulling for us. Yeah. And I, I think it was interesting. My daughter watched my clip on the show and she said, dad, you went way too fast. And I said, yeah, I know I did. <laughs> and when Donovan followed immediately after me. And so as they unstrapped me and we're strapping Donovan in, I said, Donovan, go slow, take your time and don't rush. And he nodded his head <laughs> and then you get in the chair and you know, it just changes. Everything changes when you're in the chair and talking to Rob Lowe. Well, people have been asking me, what's it like sitting in the chair? And I said, well, you know, the adrenaline is going crazy because there's all these different elements. You're strapped into this chair, which is pretty unfamiliar to someone like me. Maybe not to you, Clay, but to me, it was pretty unfamiliar. You're talking with Rob Lowe. You're on national television. You're thinking about winning money. You're thinking about everyone in the world who knows you watching this. And it's hard not to be nervous. Well, it's interesting, Chris. I never thought about the money. That was never, ever anything that passed my brain. For me, I guess for me, in, in all honesty, I was doing it when they asked, when I got asked to do it, I hadn't even been thinking about a game show. And so I thought, well, this will be good publicity. And um, so I went out there with the, the attitude that I was going to have fun. I would meet Rob Lowe, but money part of it never entered my mind. But when I got into Ava, that was so cool. I wanted to do more questions just because I wanted to ride Ava. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. It seems like I'm in the minority. Most of the contestants I've talked with were all like, wow, that was great. That was so exciting. I'm like, oh, I did not like it one bit. I hate roller coasters. I don't like this one bit. <laughs> you weenie. <laughs> can't help it. Can't help it. I got to be myself. They actually, and Ava was quite well done. I thought based on, you know, my experience in a jet cockpit and in a space and in a Russian Soyuz, they're all pretty similar. Believe me. <laughs> well, that is that actually is really good insight. I mean, this is from somebody who has been in all those things. And it, I got to tell you, I mean, when I look at the, the show, I, I figure the most expensive thing is Rob Lowe. And then after that, it's Ava and the set. I heard that Ava herself was four million dollars. Wow. Yeah. And that, and I wonder what Rob's salary was. <laughs> More than that. <laughs> I got $200 per diem. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I like the per diem. I mean, the fact is they did, they have us locked up the whole time, so it's not like we could spend the money anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I think for people dreaming of game show contestanthood, uh, that's one of the other interesting aspects having never done a game show, the amount of wasted time and sitting around, it wears on you. And, you know, at the time of day that we finally enter the uh, studio or whatever, the arena, to actually film, we'd been up for a long, long time. And uh, tired, I was hungry, I was bored, you know. Uh, nicer if I could have watched more of the other contestants, that would have at least kept my interest. But... Uh, Thank you.
Yeah, no, it was definitely not that element of it wasn't fun. The good part about it was was being there with the rest <laughs> of the contestants who I think I were, were great people. In all aspects, interesting, smart, friendly. Met, but know? we were essentially I found prisoners. Out there was a Jeopardy grand champion and that Joey had been on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And I, by the way, I actually went back and watched Joey's YouTube episode. I couldn't find his Jeopardy episode, but um, the fact that uh, some of the folks that we were with had were such accomplished game show people was impressive to me. I didn't realize that that was the thing, I guess. I mean, I, I, I haven't played in that arena, so it was kind of unbeknownst to me, but several of the folks that were in our group, I guess, love to go play and try to get on game shows. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, no, it's a whole new world. And apparently we are now members of the fraternity slash sorority. So uh, once our, our one year uh, contract that prohibits us from going on other shows expires, don't be surprised if people reach out to you. <laughs> yeah, I won't hold my breath, brother. I'm the sacrificial lion. <laughs> Listen, they're like, hey, this is perfect. It's a redemption story. Yeah, but the problem with the redemption story is you have to redeem yourself. <laughs> I've got faith in you, Clay. You just needed another chance at it. You needed to get that Smokey the Bear question first. <laughs> and the Mercedes-Benz logo upside down. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so before we, before we sign off, uh, anything that you'd like to tell people about? Where can people find out more about you? Well, I have a website, uh, astroclay.com. From that website, you can find out a lot of things about me. You can see some some of my space photos. You can also uh, obtain uh, autographed copies of my three books, The Ordinary Spaceman, From Boyhood Dreams to Astronaut, is my first. It's a year memoir over my time as an astronaut. The second book is my first children's book called A is for Astronaut, Blasting Through the Alphabets. Great book. Wonderful illustrator, Scott Brundage, so check that out. And then the book is called It's a Question of Space. Uh, an ordinary astronaut answers sometimes extraordinary questions. And perhaps I need to send a copy of that to Rob Lowe for next season of Mental Samurai. And maybe I do the space cut. Well, you know, you never know. If, if, if the show hopefully gets a second season, they may call you back as part of the redemption story. I wouldn't surprise me one bit. <laughs> well, we'll see. And in the meantime, I guess I'll have to practice my memory, my puzzles, my knowledge and my well i can't ever remember the fourth one <laughs> uh, memory puzzles knowledge sequence sequence that's it that's it <laughs> see i couldn't get the sequence right <laughs> excellent well clay thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day i gotta tell you you call yourself the ordinary astronaut but i think that you are extraordinary and i'm glad that we got a chance to meet absolutely my friend and right back at you and if there's anything i can ever do for you I'll do my best and good luck in, in your appearance on the show. I can't wait to see how you do. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Clay. All right, buddy. That was Clayton C. Anderson, retired astronaut and mental samurai competitor. One of the cool things that happened at the show, of course, was getting to know these different contestants. Uh, Clay, and I, Clay and I spent a fair amount of time together, but at first he really didn't want to talk about what he did. I was saying, are you a military man? You've got that kind of regal bearing. And he says, well, you'll find out eventually. Now, me personally, if I were an astronaut, that's the first thing I would tell every single person I saw. 
But that's why Clay is such an amazing person and why it was such a privilege to get to know him while I was on the show. Now, this next contestant who will be joining us is Joey Gutman. He is a lawyer in New York City, and he is a seasoned pro. Not only is he a mental samurai competitor, but he also went on Jeopardy and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I think you'll hear in the interview the kinds of insights from the seasoned competitor that I knew Joey would bring. So let's go ahead and listen to Joey Gutman on this podcast. Joey, how's it going? Going great, Chris. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. I got to tell you, uh, it was such a pleasure getting to know you when we were shooting Mental Samurai, and I was looking forward to seeing your run, and then it came on in the premiere episode. Yeah, that was a surprise. Like, I honestly, there were so many compelling stories and interesting people that we met along the way, and you, you know that as well as I do, that like, to have me on the premiere, it was like genuinely an honor. Oh, I mean, obviously they've thought very carefully about who they're going to put in the premiere. Uh, obviously the premieres aired, everyone knows. Sam went on, and I thought Sam was a great choice to lead off just a, a fan and uh, build up to that suspense. So uh, great job all around. So I got to tell you, I mean, one of the things I was doing Thank you. <laughs> when we were there, and we did a bunch of things together while we were waiting around, because that's what you do with these game shows. You basically wait the whole day. We were singing songs, we were playing games, and I remember uh, thinking to myself, in my own mind, I was sort of handicapping things, and I installed you as the favorite to win, in my own mind. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> I can't tell me that at the time. That would give me some extra confidence. I'm like, this guy is so smart. He's been on Jeopardy. He's been on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. He has the game show experience. He has the knowledge. He has not just the academic knowledge, but also the pop cultural knowledge. I'm like, this guy is is the favorite in my book. And as you were going through your run, I was like, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. But as we know, it is such a difficult thing to get all 12 questions correct. Oh, it, it is brutal. Um, and it's funny you say about the joking around the dancing, because to me, that is strategic in many ways. Having been on Jeopardy and on Who Wants a Millionaire before, mm. the, one of the hardest things about being on these game shows, and it's, it's almost impossible to feel from home, is just to keep your body under control when you actually – when it's your time to play. Because your nervous system is directly connected to your memory. Mm -hmm. So if you're jittery and nervous all day, you're going to be in miserable shape by the time you actually play. And we were there, I mean, what, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. before yeah. we taped? A long time with a lot of waiting around and going from room to room and seemingly, I mean, basically, uh, you may know this more than I do because you're closer to the justice system. I'm like, this is the closest thing to being in prison. <laughs> I, I can't say I've experienced that, but you might be right. You might be right. Um, pr prison with uh, two, uh, a few extra crossword puzzles, probably. Yes, extra crossword puzzles. Uh, we finally got legal clearance to play Cards Against Humanity. And, of course, I think much more intellectual company than would be typical of prison. Sure. Um, but, but the fact is that's, that thought of calming yourself down is like amped to 100 on a show which is very – the very premise is – get you nervous, get your heart rate spiking so that you make poor decisions. Because the questions really aren't that hard. Not to take away from anyone who won, 
because I certainly didn't. Um, but they're not as hard as your Jeopardy questions. But being in that chair and in that environment is so difficult. And you see me at one point in my run, I actually closed my eyes to just slow everything down. And I was talking to the people when I was watching the premiere. I was saying to them, the people who are going to do well, who I was thinking were going to do well, are the people like Sam, who are performers, who are used to being on stage and have the means to calm themselves and work themselves into a, a nice, quiet, focused place and ignore the surroundings. You have to have that to win a game like this. I think it definitely helps. I got to tell you, obviously, I have a lot of experience with public speaking and being on stage, but being strapped into Ava and being thrown around and having Rob Lowe there and an entire cheering audience surrounding you, that was completely alien to me. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there is nothing like it. You can have things that are similar, but no, nothing like this game. So tell me about how you ended up on Mental Samurai, because obviously you've done other game shows before. You are a pro, so to speak. What got you on the show? So I play in an online trivia league, which I think you are also a participant at some Learned point. League! Learned League. Um, and, you know, on the message boards, they post when there are sort of new game shows casting. Um, I was on Who Wants Millionaire when I was in college. I was on uh, Jeopardy when I was in law school. But I actually hadn't done anything as a professional other than uh, I was on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which I highly recommend. Hashtag not an ad. Um, <laughs> How do you get on that one, by the way? I'd love to go on that one. I, th I think it's on the internet, and it films in New York, and it's such a good mm. time. It's on the podcast or on the radio. It's just a, a trivia show. Um, but in person, it films at the Bell House in New York, which is a great spot. And in person, it's, it's actually practically a comedy show that just happens to have some trivia going on. Uh, and, and it's wonderful. Um, but this was the first time I had gone out hard for a, um, for sort of a, a major show as, as a professional is a bit of a different experience talking about my job as opposed to being sort of the young fun kid who right. was crashing the party at Jeopardy, which is sort of was my, my thing before. Uh, so it was a bit of a different experience this time. Yeah, well, you're you're like as you said, you know, you're a professional. You've got a family. It's totally different. Like I think that the majority of the contestants were not people who were dads or moms. Yeah, uh, I think that the majority were much younger, and I I felt like, oh wow, as an old guy, I feel like there's a bit of a disadvantage. You know, I, I think there's truth to that, but also, again, exper with experience comes knowing yourself, knowing your mind, knowing how to get yourself focused. You don't want to be young and too enthusiastic. That can hurt you a little bit. Yeah. Um, so pluses and minuses. So you get on the show. What was what you like, what you expected? What was unexpected? What surprised you? So I will say what surprised me the most. One, we didn't know about the aspect of having, be, having to be perfect. Right. That's that's a jolt to your self-confidence right away. We heard that, I think, the day before we taped mm -hmm. uh, was the first time we were told you have to be perfect. Um, and that adds another layer to it. Like you're just not expecting to have no margin of error. Yeah. Um, that was new and unexpected for me. The other thing that was unexpected for me, which has nothing to do with the game, was what Mental Samurai had done in casting. And what I mean specifically by that is this was way more diverse casting than I've seen on my other game mm -hmm. shows, right? 
those are the typical trivia nerd, a lot of learned league contestants, a lot of people who hang out at the bar trivia scene. This was NFL players, MLB players, Olympians, astronauts. I mean, the best part of the experience for me was getting to meet so many fascinating people, including yourself. Thank you. Um, that was wonderful uh, and an unexpected uh, treat for me. And, and I am fortunate enough to still be in touch with a few of those fascinating people and, and I'm happier for it. Well, uh, I can't, I have to totally agree. I thought it was an incredible group of people. I've tried to stay in touch with folks. And then I came up with this idea of recording these, uh, this, these, this podcast to stay in touch with folks as well. So hey, any excuse to relive it. <laughs> exactly. So talk, now let's, let's walk through your run because again, as I said, I was actually, uh, off stage watching as this was going on because I went on, I think, right after you. Right. And in fact, a bunch of people from the first episode went on in our group. So mm-hmm. Clay went on, Donovan went on, and then you went on all in a row with me right after you. That's right. And, and after we got off and we actually had to hang around um, after your run and a couple other people's um, to wait to get driven back to hotel. So it was myself um, Clay, Donovan, and Stella, who I, I think will appear on a, la- a later episode. Yes. Um, and so I'm sitting there with essentially the former female crossword champion, an astronaut, and a major league baseball player. And we are just having the most fascinating conversations about all sorts of topics. Um, and then, you know, I get invited out for a drink by a, a MLB pitcher and an astronaut. And this is, it was just like one of those, where am I, who am I moments. Yeah. No, absolutely incredible. Um, just a, a fantastic, fantastic experience. Now, you're going through your run. And I got to tell you, I think you get off to a really impressive start in this run. You've got a great rhythm. Things are looking great. Tell me about what was going on. Which questions do you remember being uh, easy, hard? What were the, the challenges for you as you went through it? It's funny. I remember talking to my handler. We each had, were assigned sort of a handler. Um, before my run started, you know, and I was nervous as I think we all were. And what I said to her was, look, I know knowledge is going to be the category I feel most comfortable with anything trivia related. I feel like I'm going to be able to handle easily. And so I said to her, I just want it to land on knowledge for that first question, because then I know I can get my feet wet. Yep. And it's interesting because in the green room, I don't know if you remember, a lot of the chatter was, I just don't want to get out on one. <laughs> yes. I just don't want to get out on the first question, um, which is why I think we were sitting together in the in the backstage yes. when Clay got on his first question, and just a brutal first question. Oh, my God, because it's the puzzle. It's the clocks. That was really hard. And so having just seen this, I said to my handler, like, I just hope it lands on knowledge on one. And sure enough, first question drops right in the knowledge tower. And I'm telling you, my heart rate just dropped like a full beat. And it was so helpful. Um, it was a question, Stevie wonder and, and the, the female gender symbol, uh, you know, which took me a second to put together, but got that. And then we got moving and, and that alone, just one question is all it takes to calm you down, which makes a huge difference. There really is a rhythm, right? It's really about getting into a good rhythm and being able to go through the course, uh, not too fast, not too slow at a pace that lets you feel comfortable. For sure. Um, and it was interesting to me because you hear Rob in the background saying, you know, two minutes left. And 
it's not helpful. It's not. <laughs> because I, sitting in the chair, you have no idea what two minutes left means. Right. Like you're not you're not in a position to sit there and a lot. Okay, let me calculate. That means I have 18 seconds per question. There's no way you're doing that. Right. All you can do is keep your pace a smart, right? Like you said, a measured pace. Um, but by the same token, right? You it's a rhythm, and they were we were encouraged to to talk out loud to mm-hmm. you know use some chatter. Um, but you see me while I'm moving from station to station saying, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go. Just as a way to keep myself in a rhythm, keep myself in the same mental space, keep myself focused. Um, it's for television, but it was also uh, to try and keep myself on track. Yeah, no, I, uh, it was interesting because, you know, for me, it was a strategic question uh, when it came to talking it out because, you know, I want, I, I, I like to help people out. I wanted to help out the show. Uh, but at the same time, the more time you spend talking it out, the less time you have to answer questions. And and for me, it was like a delicate balance. And I actually made the conscious decision to err a little bit on the side of talking it out because my feeling was it's really hard to get all 12 questions correct. And so, you know, I yeah. can't say I'm going to go in with the notion I'm going to get all 12 questions correct. Instead, I'm going to go in, I'm going to talk it out, I'm going to do my best to get on the air. That was my objective. Yeah. yeah. It's funny, though, because it is a risky strategy. In the premiere, we saw, I forgot her name. Um, Becky. But she, Becky, right. Yes. I'm, I'm just going back to like her first or second question where she's asked about BLT, and she takes you know eight seconds explaining that that was her dad's favorite sandwich. And I'm sure she goes over this in her head because, look, you know, if you're a competitor, like, you don't take losing easily. Oh, yes. But if she had spent eight seconds less talking about her dad's favorite sandwich, she would have had nine seconds at the end to think through a question that she knew the answer to. Absolutely. And she, she, I mean, she would have won. It's, it's hard to say. Um, so it's there is a positive to to talking it out, but there it comes with definite risk. The timing is very real. Yeah. Well, the good news is uh, that Becky actually accepted one of my LinkedIn invitations. Uh, we didn't meet at any point in time because she recorded on a different day from you and I. But uh, she accepted my LinkedIn invitation, and I'm going to try to get her on uh, and record her record with her as well. So I'll try to explore that with her. You got to tell her I love her. <laughs> but she was a, she was a great contestant, incredible biographical package a wonderful character so i don't know if you remember this uh it's difficult to remember these things do you remember what question you missed and what did you feel like in that moment oh i remember what question i missed um and it's funny because like you said look i'm i was focused on winning the whole way through right i i wasn't really one of those people who's like scared i'm getting on question one because for me i came there to win you know that's that's how i try and look at things and you try and picture yourself winning, and, and that's all you're picturing yourself. And I'm not going to say I was going to be okay to go out after eight questions because I wasn't. Um, but at the same time, once I'm halfway home, I'm keeping track. And I, I said out loud, halfway home. And once I got to – I think there was a question about um, – there was a basketball question. It was LeBron James and Shaquille O'Neal and Michael Jordan's rookie years. And it was somewhere like question six or seven. And I remember thinking at that point, like, let's go. Like, now we're going to finish. Let's finish. Um, and then I came to that memory tower. Oh, I hate memory. It, it, it was the hardest because, again, it's the hardest tower in conjunction with what's going on. So much stimulus around you, so much to, that you're taking in 
involuntarily to begin with. And then to just focus in that moment, uh, it is absolutely the hardest. So it comes up on screen, and I'm thinking – Color, you get the names of people on color bowling balls. <laughs> so I'm thinking colors of bowling balls, colors of shirts. And I'm telling you, Chris, I never looked at their faces. Not once. I, and I absolutely overthought it, no question. But at the same time, I don't have as many regrets as I do um, for Jeopardy um, because on this show, I felt like I could have done the exact opposite. I could have focused on their faces. It would have been at the expense of their clothing or the bowling balls. They're just – it's too short a time and too many external stimuli to focus on everything. Um, I think the smarter route would have been to take an overall picture of what was going on. Um, but that's easier said than done in retrospect. So what I did do was funny, and I, this I didn't even discover really until watching the show, was I said out loud something along the lines of Elma Blue, Mabel Pink – uh, and whatever the third one is, green or whatever color it was. Think about the colors. And then I go back and I hear myself saying, yeah. you know, I think that face, just having like, I guess, seen it out of the corner of my eye, I think that face was the middle one. What I should have done, honestly, is stopped for a second, gone back to my mantra, which was Elna, blue, Mabel, green, whatever, pink. I would have realized, I would have realized it was Mabel in the middle. And I could have put two and two together. But it's so hard to think like that right there. So then I, when I, I knew it was kind of a, a throw, throwaway guess, I, I think I was between Elna and Mabel, but I, I, I was pretty focused on Elna. Um, got it wrong. My focus on that was just like to look like a good winner because I'm vain that way. So I'm like, you keep a smile on your face. Whatever happens, you keep a smile on your face. Um, but it's, it's brutal. Look, for competitive people, this stuff doesn't go away. It's an open wound. You know, you do relive it, even if I think to myself I couldn't do anything differently. Um, so you sit up there and you smile at Rob Lowe, but losing is losing. Um, what are you going to do? Of course, I think that the the only issue is, of course, at the end of the day, there can be only one winner for the entire season. So it's really hard, uh, one overall winner. So it's really hard to, to go into a situation with 125, 150 amazing competitors and then say, well, I think I'll come out on top because that is just, the odds are so long. There's no question. But at the same time, you have to have that mentality if you're going to have a shot at being that person. Well, that's why I picked you as my top seed <laughs> mentally. I think you had the right mentality. <laughs> I appreciate Just some it. bad luck. <laughs> Maybe. I, you know what? I don't think that's true. I, I honestly don't think it's bad luck. I think the people that survived that, that memory tower had a skill had an ability to take it all in that I just didn't have. Well, memory is definitely, I think, the toughest tower for most people. And it was true in, in the first episode as well. So any, yeah. uh, so you, we, we've covered your run. We've covered our experiences. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with folks? Any funny stories? What's been going on with you in your life? So my final thoughts, I think, would be twofold. Um, firstly, I, I would honestly encourage anyone who enjoys this kind of show, enjoys trivia or general knowledge, to just go for it. Just apply for these shows. It's not dumb luck that I've been on three different game shows. It's just a willingness to be myself and put myself out there and be loud and proud um, and try. Because there, you'd be surprised by how few people there are um, that are willing to do that. So that's my first uh, quasi-plug. Just go for it. Um, 
life for me is sort of gone back to normal, which for me is um, federal litigating for city of New York. Um, I really love my job. Um, partly because as you might be able to tell from this conversation, I'm obsessed with competition. Um, and what's funny is this week, just by coincidence, I ended up on trial in federal court. And at the end of, I think day two or three of my trial, um, I realized I was going to be on television that night. Um, and I was frankly worried that if a juror were to see, um, me on television talking about being a lawyer, you know, that could be grounds for some kind of motion. I don't think a strong grounds, but enough that I, I wouldn't want the judge upset at me for not raising it as an issue because federal juries will get asked at the beginning of cases. Do you know this juror? Do you know this lawyer? Have you ever seen this lawyer? So at the end of a long day of trial, I raise it with the judge. Uh, and he says to me from the bench, he says, Mr. Gutman, been a federal judge for a long time. Never heard that one. Uh, and then he said to me, uh, then he said to me, did you win? And I said, your honor, uh, I am uh, legally not allowed to tell you the answer to that, uh, particularly to a federal judge. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was kind of a, a fun moment. Um, and what was even more interesting about it was this federal judge in a couple weeks uh, is going to be handling, there's a case going on uh, about this cult Nexium. Uh, it's a sex cult. This, uh, it's a sex cult. See, I was being uh, a prude here, but it's a sex cult. Um, and it involved this uh, the Smallwood, the Smallville actress. It was in the news a little while back that she was a part of it. And this judge was holding hearings on that case um, after our our trial day was done. And sure enough, that day that I you know announced to the world that I was going to be on television. Um, my co-counsel didn't know, so that was a surprise to her as well. Um, but that day I announced it to the world that uh, the lawyer for one of the defendants who was at a hearing um, was a fellow by the name of Mark Garagos. Uh, he's a very well-known lawyer. He's represented, um, I think, Michael Jackson and Chris Brown and Colin Kaepernick. Um, and he comes over to me and just essentially you know, digs into me for uh, talking about how I was going to be on television and tell me, oh, you love that, you love that. And then we got to talking. And it, it was just funny that being on Mental Samurai was still helping me meet interesting people and have fun conversations, even this far after the fact. So that was great for me. Well, I got to tell you, I haven't, my episode hasn't aired yet, and I'm still having great conversations with people. Everyone gets really excited, and I do my best to convert as many people to viewers as I can wherever I go. Yeah, well, I can I can say uh, that you followed me immediately in the chair, and uh, I truly enjoyed your run, and I'm looking forward to your episode. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Joey, I appreciate this. You know, the folks who are listening to the podcast don't know this. This is being recorded at 1030 at night for you. I'm sitting by a marina in Newport Beach, California, on the road in Los Angeles. We are truly doing the uh, yeoman's work. So thank you so much for making time to come on. It's absolutely my pleasure. Nice to talk to you. Likewise. Those were some fantastic insights from Joey. I tell you, I could talk to that guy all day long, and I know we'll definitely have to have him back on later on in the season to get some more commentary on some of the things he saw. Now, for our final guest of the night, we are going to have the man of the hour, the man who made it through the course, Sam Durbin joining us. So give Sam a huge welcome when he comes on. 
Hi, I've got Sander, the man of the hour on the line. Sam, how are you doing? Oh, I am doing wonderful. Hello, everybody. I tell you, I remember when I met you, Sam, I remember thinking to myself, my God, America is going to love Sam. He is going to be a phenomenal mental samurai competitor. And I got a great reaction at my watch party. How was your watch party? Oh, my watch party was a wonderful. It was a an eclectic group of individuals, to say the least, you know? <laughs> well, I saw that some of the other competitors actually showed up as well, which is pretty darn cool. Yes, I had a few people um, show up that I've met um, through Mental Samurai. You know, there were so many people all across the country who came and competed, you know? I, I believe there's about 120 people. Yeah, and I was super impressed. I, I got to tell you, I was scared. I was intimidated by the quality of competitors that they had in because it was a, a serious field. Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, there was people all over, like, what, there were engineers, there were doctors, uh, Mensa members, all of that. Of course, I'm, in, like, intimidated. And also, there was past game show contestants, you know? Um, I hate to get that away, but there's people who've been on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, um, The Price is Right, all of these things. And it was just... three time. There's a three-time Jeopardy champion who yeah. was on as well. I don't know if he's going to make it to air, but, I mean, incredible lineup. Right, completely. So it, let's talk a little bit about the episode, because here you are, you're leading off the Mental Samurai premiere, and of course, spoiler alert, you managed to answer all 12 questions correctly and win $50,000. I imagine that must feel good. Oh, it was crazy to win fifty grand. I wasn't even expecting to, um, like, I was expecting, well, to say the least, I was expecting to... Um, make it to the circle of samurai but let alone win 50 grand i was not expecting that whatsoever well tell me about what it was like uh, because you've gone back to work uh, you were at work with all these folks who who know that you went on national television won fifty thousand dollars what was that like oh well <laughs> to be honest my um like my workplace was kind of suspicious um, because I had to extend my vacation a couple of days. So they knew something was up. They're like, first of all, why is Sam in um, LA in the first place? You know, like, what is he doing? Like uh, Sam usually goes to New York to go see Broadway shows. So what is he doing exactly in LA? So they were suspicious about that. And uh, to be honest, I think all of my coworkers should be on mental samurai because they're good at solving a case because uh, once it was announced that I was on the show, they were like, ah, that's why you went to LA. And, um, they kept on thinking like, Oh, how much money did you win? And I, thankfully I, you know, loose lips sink ships, but I didn't tell a soul. So, um, my coworkers were at the viewing party actually. And they were, uh, as the kids say, shook <laughs> at what happened. Well, that, that must have felt incredible. And, of course, uh, as I, I think I told you when we were still there in L.A., I said, if they shoot your hometown package and they don't ask you to bring out Brianna Banana, I will be stunned. Oh, no. Brianna Banana. Brianna Banana would have a fight and a fit if she just did not was not featured on this hometown package, you know? Well, I think that it looked fantastic. And again, uh, I, I will now forever refer to you as Handsomer Jonah Hill. <laughs> I love that. Did you? Um, that's the thing. Twitter's reaction to uh, Mental Samurai was 
the most entertaining part of the night for me. Because, you know, um, as soon as it aired, I got about 50 Instagram follows. And I just thought that was amazing. And also a lot of Facebook friend requests. But Twitter was blowing up. First of all, um, I love that Twitter was playing along. You know, they're saying, oh, they should have gotten that question right. But it was very interesting because someone called me a low-budget Jonah Hill. And to be honest... I can't disagree, but I will say I do have 50 grand, so I ain't mad at it. (laughs) Listen, I think you're much handsomer than Jonah Hill, and I don't care if Jonah Hill hears this podcast. Thank you, Craig. (laughs) It's okay. No, Jonah Hill, um, I'm available to play your brother in any feature film, so feel free to contact and reach me. Um, I'll be happy to be your drag queen brother, okay? I think that sounds fantastic. We're going to have to make that happen. Yeah. So let's go to the the game itself. So you were what you've you've had a chance to watch the episode yeah. now, and you saw these other competitors go on first. Had you seen any other competitors? Which of the other competitors did you know, if any? Um, to be honest, uh, a lot of them filmed on other days, but the one that I was most familiar with was uh, Becky. Uh, I had seen Becky beforehand and she oh she was just such a treat um she filmed some stuff right before uh i went on and whenever we had to take an elevator up to ava and so whenever her elevator was coming down and i was about to go up she was she just looked at me and she said you're gonna win this and i i got the blessing of becky and to be honest i really really wish she had gotten all 12 questions because she deserved it Oh my God, absolutely. She had an incredible hometown package. The story, the emotion was incredible. And then even though, yeah, I, for a variety of reasons, I, I think I knew that she was not going on to the the finale, I was still amazed and kept in suspense the whole time. It was incredible. Oh yeah. What I love about Mental Samurai is that they make you want to root for everybody. And that's what I absolutely loved about this is that they want to highlight uh, the good and make sure that people are excited for all of these contestants. Because let's be honest, Chris, you and I met dozens of people and they all have these backstories and it was so heartwarming. And I don't know, it was just such a great positive environment and I would love to do it again. You know, it, it felt to me like all the people who were there, the competitors, they were so collaborative. Everyone was so nice. It was never a case of people saying, I'm going to beat you. I'm going to take you down. Right. It's surprising how much camaraderie there is whenever you're stuck in a room with somebody for more than eight hours, you know? (laughs) And I think that this is something that a lot of people who listen, who have not been on one of these shows, doesn't realize. We are stuck in these really dreary rooms, just basically these Mm -hmm. uh, empty rooms for hours and hours and hours, 16 hours a day. I believe they're like empty. It looks like empty plane hangers, but they're old studios. And so what was neat was that we filmed Mental Samurai on the Friends stage, which I thought was really exciting. But uh, the most exciting thing was that that was the stage that Anti-Mame was filmed. So I had the blessing of B. Arthur looking down upon me uh, whenever I played Mental Samurai. At least that's what I like to believe. Well, the power of B. Arthur came through for you, Sam. I mean, it was an incredible run. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I think... I. I wish B. Arthur was still around with us so she could play Mental Samurai. Wouldn't that be wonderful? B. Arthur is so amazing, and I love the fact that every single day, day or night, 24 hours a day, you can find the Golden Girls playing somewhere. 
Oh, completely. Actually, I have a question for you. So um, I know uh, Mental Samurai is brand new, but if you could see any celebrity um, in uh, play Mental Samurai, who would you choose? Ooh, that is an excellent question. You know, I would actually love to see a stand-up comedian go on Mental Samurai. Mm. I'm thinking one of these comedians who's who's pretty intellectual, like a John Mulaney, for example. Uh, he would kill. Oh yeah, I could totally see that. I and see, I'm thinking of entertainment factor. I think somebody like um, you know Ross Matthews. Ross Matthews. Yeah, I think, I think I, so. He's a young guy, right? Uh, he's. I mean, I I think he would love you for saying that, but he was a Ross the intern on uh, Jay Leno back in the day, and he's just like a commentator. He was on Celebrity Big Brother. He's just so entertaining. I think he would be wonderful for the show. To be honest. Well, you know, hopefully the show will do well, and they'll have Celebrity Mental Samurai in season three or four. Yes. Oh, I would hope so. Who knows? Maybe you'll be on there someday. <laughs> well, they might ask us back. You never know. Who never? Yeah, you never know. It's up to the producers. I'm like, Rob Lowe, ask me back, please. <laughs> hey, producers, if you're listening to this podcast, I think you can hear Sam and Chris would be great color commenters. You should bring us back. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. So take me to the moment when you are actually in the chair, in Ava. What does it feel like? What was it like? Uh, how were you feeling? What was going through your mind? Oh, so the thing was is that right before um, Ava, to be honest, I was very reserved, um, as you know, uh, whenever we were about to play. And whenever we were – like they were hyping me up. They're like, okay, Sam, you can do this, blah, blah, blah. And something like just turned to me. It was like, I believe Brianna took over. Um, And like, I just looked at my producer because we each get a producer. I just looked at my producer and I said, I've got this. And so as soon as Becky blessed me, I just knew I was like, I'm in good hands. So once I got strapped into Ava and pulled up to Rob, uh, I had the time of my life. I had a great interaction with Rob. We got to talk about Brianna a little bit and, it was so crazy to believe that. No, please. Sorry, I'm like thinking of the proper word. It was just so unbelievable that I was there because we had been waiting for so long and to finally get to play, it was so satisfying. Yeah, it does feel kind of surreal when you're up there. But I got to tell you, watching your run on, on television, uh, again, just even the way you, you locked it in and even the motions you made between the questions, your personality was shining through. It was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, I cannot believe this happened. It still, I this happened back in October, and it still feels surreal to me. So you are going to be forever known as the man who said, "I don't follow straight relationships on television." What went through your mind when the picture comes up? And you're trying to figure out: Is Daniel Craig married to Rachel Weisz or Rachel McAdams? And how did you make a decision? Um, to be honest, I knew Daniel Craig was British, of course, James Bond. And I knew um, Rachel McAdams, she just felt too American for Daniel Craig. And I knew Rachel Weisz, I like heard of her name. Um, this was before The Favorite came out, which, oh my goodness, if you haven't seen that movie, go see The Favorite. And so when that happened, it was intense. Um, and I just thought to myself, I said, I'm going to choose Rachel Weisz. But 
to be honest, whenever I said um, I don't pay attention to straight <laughs> relationships, I did not mean that in any um, derogatory way. Um, to be honest, Chris, I will say I have gotten a lot of comments saying, well, if I said I didn't pay attention to gay relationships, um, people would riot. And to be honest, if I had a dollar for every comment I've received that said that, I would have $50,000. You know, uh, I like to say the words of wisdom from the great philosopher Taylor Swift, haters going to hate, 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 hate. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. It's okay. So what what were some of the other questions that really stood out for you? What were the moments that were the, the most challenging or the moments where you felt the strongest emotion up there? Uh, okay. Well, I will say uh, the question about Cardi B uh, and the Bodak Yellow with, about the mm-hmm. bloody shoes. I said to myself, if I get this wrong, the gays will turn against me. So I had to get it right. Thankfully, bloody shoes, red bottoms, Louboutins, lock it in. Uh, that was correct. Um, another one that really tripped me up and I was shocked that it really tripped me up was the word search puzzle. And it was really interesting to see what I was thinking. I saw the birch, uh, and I believe palm was the other one I saw, but I couldn't find the third one. And uh, silly me, I didn't think to look up and down immediately. And I found Oak and I wasted what, 40 seconds. And that could have really saved me in the circle of samurai. Exactly. You could have taken more time then, which is something that people don't appreciate. It really is important to go through quickly, but accurately, so you have as much time as possible to puzzle through the questions that are hard. Definitely. And it was it was so interesting. I don't know. To be honest, I don't remember half of those questions. I, I didn't remember the license plate question. I didn't remember the puzzle question. Because you kind of black out when you're up there and you just go with the flow. Like if whatever happens, happens. Well, I think that's exactly the right thing to do. It's like a, an, being an elite athlete. You don't think you've just got to do. And you took that course like a champ and got through all 12 and you had extra time left over. Definitely. Oh, man, it was, it was such a wonderful experience. And I hope I get to experience something like that again, because it just felt wonderful. Well, we will definitely relive this experience together uh, because since you answered all 12 questions correctly, you are going on to the season finale. And I will hope yes. that you'll come back on this podcast <laughs> after the season finale airs. So you can talk about your experiences there as well. Of course, Chris. And I can't wait to see um, how the other contestants turn out because there's a lot of characters in the season finale. So, Oh, I've been I've been telling folks that uh, there are a bunch of competitors they got to watch out for. I've been telling the story of, of Dr. Jackie. I've been telling people you got to watch out and see what or what her run looks like, because I'm guessing it's going to be epic. I hope so. Oh, my goodness. I Yes, I can't wait. <laughs> So, Sam, what's next? You're going to watch the show from here. What are you going to do until the season finale comes on? Well, there's a few contestants in Chicago, um, which, by the way, I know it says I'm from Mustang, Oklahoma, but I do live in Chicago now, um, who are interested in having small viewing parties Mm -hmm. for their own parties. So I'm going to be happy to host those. Uh, I'm going to be hosting it as Sam, not Brianna. Maybe for the finale, there will be a Brianna a Brianna themed, I say Brianna theme. Wow. How narcissistic is that? Uh, a Brianna hosted viewing party for mental samurai. 
I think that would be fantastic. Although I got to admit, uh, the the costume change is going to be difficult. It's not like you can do like a Superman kind of phone booth thing there. That's pretty involved. I definitely. I will say, um, my intention was to play as Brianna and play the game. Uh, thankfully, I didn't because I was afraid. I think the producers and I were both afraid my wig would fly off and get caught in Ava, and I know Ava would not be happy about that. Um, but I'm happy I played the game that I did, and I ha- I'm happy I got to showcase my alter ego. Well, Sam, it was absolutely fantastic. I think America's going to love you. I think that you got to watch out for all those marriage proposals that will be coming in from folks who, <laughs> who saw you. and said, I'm already getting some. <laughs> Oh, I oh my goodness, I knew it. Um, but is there before we before we sign off, is there anything you'd like to plug? Is there any place people can find out more about you? Yeah, so um my social media is is um on Twitter it's it's Sam Durbin, that's D-U-R-B-I-N, as well as Instagram, that is my drag Instagram, and that is Brianna B, which is B-R-I-A-W-N-A-B. And then you can follow me on Facebook as well. So I am Sam Durbin on Facebook and Brianna Banana on Facebook as well. There you have it, folks. Sam Durbin, episode one, champion of episode one, going on to the season finale. I believe that's going to be May 21st. So, Sam, I certainly hope that you're willing to come on on the 22nd and we can talk through everything else. Of course. Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait. Yes, Chris, I'll be happy to talk about the finale with you. Fantastic, Sam. Look forward to talking again soon. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, Chris. <laughs> Sam Durbin, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Sam Durbin. So, again, phenomenal thanks to all the people who came on as guests to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing the inside insights from the competitors themselves. One of the things I'm going to try to do, hopefully before the next episode, is to get a few more of the competitors. I've already reached out to Donovan Hand, the baseball pitcher, and also to Becky, the writer, and I'm hoping that someone out there can get me in touch with Megan Gage, who led everything off with the very first run of the season. But if you enjoy Mental Samurai and you enjoy these insights, please do subscribe to this podcast and also let me know in the comments what kinds of additional things you'd like to see in the future. This is Chris Yeh, and I hope you'll be tuning in Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. for Mental Samurai.